Hey, everybody. You're listening to the Legacy Church Podcast. Legacy Church is a multi-generational church that exists to worship God, become like Jesus, and bring hope to our community. Today, we're sharing a message from our current series. We believe that the Word of God is powerful and has real-life application to our lives today. We hope that this message encourages you. Get connected and learn more about us by visiting our website at lgcy.church. This morning, we're reading from Jeremiah chapter 1, and it starts in verse 1. And this moment we're zooming in on today is the moment that God calls Jeremiah, okay? So Jeremiah is a young 25-year-old guy, and God shows up in his life on a random Tuesday, and this moment happens between Jeremiah and God. Okay, it says, it's going to be on the screens. The words of Jeremiah, the son of Hilkiah, one of the priests who were in Anadath, in the land of Benjamin, okay, to whom the word of the Lord came in the days of Josiah, the son of Ammon, king of Judah, in the 13th year of his reign. This is just giving you all the background. It came also in the days of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, and until the end of the 11th year of Zedekiah, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, until the captivity of Jerusalem in the fifth month. And this is the call of God to Jeremiah. It says, now the word of the Lord came to me saying, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Then I said, Lord God, behold, I do not know how to speak for I am only a youth. But the Lord said to me, do not say I am only a youth. For to all whom I send you, you shall go. And whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of them. For I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. Then the Lord put out his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, behold, I have put my words in your mouth. See, I have set you this day over nations and over kingdoms to pluck up, to break down, to destroy, to overthrow, to build, and to plant. And the word of the Lord came to me saying, Jeremiah, what do you see? And I said, I see an almond branch. Then the Lord said to me, you have seen well. For I am watching over my word to perform it. Now, this chapter hit me like a ton of bricks because I truly believe that when you see God do significant things in the Bible, they weren't just for that person. And God, I've talked about this before, has patterns in the way that he calls us out, in the way that he arrives on the scene. And this moment with Jeremiah is so significant to you and I and to this church in particular. And I basically am going to be camped here for the next 30 minutes. And I want to talk about some things that you and I need to get 
from the way that God called Jeremiah, okay? Some of it, we might have glazed over. We're going to go back over it. So number one, he calls many times from a place of stigma and rejection. Now, at face value, you wouldn't know. But earlier in the chapter, when I read all those boring names and titles, it says that Jeremiah was the son of Hilkiah, one of the priests who were in Anatoth. Now, in the land of Benjamin, earlier in the book of 2 Kings, King Solomon literally banished this family and this group of priests to Anatoth. He said, I should kill you, but instead I'm going to banish you out here. And they were known as like the reject priests of Judah. They were banished. They weren't allowed to even function in their office. They were banished. And it literally states Jeremiah is from this family that nobody likes, that nobody respects, and that has generational stigma. And that's who God calls. So... The first thing you need to realize is if you think that you need to be somebody for God to use you and God to call you, you're wrong. God reaches to the bottom of the barrel. He reaches to the very, very dregs of the bucket. Okay? The second thing that we need to see in this, which is so awesome, is God says this. Before I formed you in the womb, which means before conception, I knew you. Before you were born, I consecrated you, I chose you, I set you apart, and I appointed you for this job. Something you need to know about the Lord is before you are conceived, He knows you, and he's already mapped out the entire plan for your life. We don't really get that. And I know we don't because we believe our family, the location where we were born, the way that we were raised, the religion we grew up in, the parents that we had, the things that we experienced we feel like we could lose our calling at any moment, or we feel like surely that disqualifies God from ever being able to use us. How could God ever use me after the family that I come from? Have you seen what they did? How could God ever use me? I'm, I'm from a poor family. I'm from nothing and nobody. And God's like, actually, my plan for you preceded your conception. So that tells me that the family you were birthed into, the location you were born into, and all the circumstances of your life were already factored into the plan from the beginning. Somebody in here needs to know that number one, your life has not accidentally happened. And God hasn't just You know, well, you're here, so I guess I'll use you. He appointed you before you were conceived. That means 
every single thing that has happened to you, through you, and whatever on this planet was all taken into consideration already. It's all already known. And the only way that you and I don't accomplish what God called us to accomplish is if you and I say, no, Lord. It won't be because of what anyone did to us. It won't be because of sickness. It won't be because of a church hurt that we have. It won't be because our dad left us. It won't be. It'll be because you and I say no. You need to know this. Every time you screw up and you feel like, wow, I'm definitely done now. Every time you feel like someone else has power over you and God's calling on your life. And every time you feel like money or a job or the government or anybody can swoop in and take out the assignment of God on your life. It doesn't work that way. All of those things were already known to God before he called you. And you don't let anyone walk into your life and tell you that you're not called to do the very thing that God called you to do. Call it my stubbornness. But at the end of the day, it doesn't matter who likes me, who likes my style, who thinks I'm too much, who thinks I'm a woman and I should sit down and shut up. It doesn't matter because the Lord appointed me for a purpose before I was conceived, before anyone else and their opinions entered into my purview. And the only person who can stop what God is doing in my life is me. And even then, God's so merciful, he'll keep striving with you. He'll keep taking you around that mountain, right? Over and over and over again. Because he's factored your stubbornness into. Thank God. Thank God. If you don't believe me, Isaiah 49.1, this is a different instance. It says, before I was born, the Lord called me. From my mother's womb, he has spoken my name. Romans 8.29 says, For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son. Ephesians 1.11 says, In him we were also chosen, having been predestined. Do you know what that word means? It means before. Predestined means before you, before me. Before we were here, before the earth was created, you and I were predestined according to the plan of him who works everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. So today, God's plan predates your plans. It predates your circumstances. It predates your geography. It predates the government. It predates any of the factors that you and I think factor into what God can or can't do in our lives. The third thing that we can learn from this is that your human limitations and your weaknesses don't really matter. Jeremiah says, Lord, I don't know how to speak. Lord, I don't, I'm just a kid. I could go on and on about this pattern of the Lord calling somebody that immediately starts citing all of their weaknesses to him. 
It's just a pattern. And you know what's funny is the Lord always calls those people. Always. Always. And God shows up to Jeremiah, and Jeremiah's like, Lord, I'm young. Nobody respects me. Nobody listens to me. I'm from this rejected stigma family. I'm 25 years old, which in Jewish culture means I'm not even a man yet. I might as well be 13. And the Lord says, like he says in every situation, with Gideon, with Moses, he says, don't say that. Because everywhere I send you, I sent you there. And everything I've called you to say, I'm the one who's called you to say it. So Jeremiah, you're not walking He literally says in a different translation, my words are going to become your words. And the language literally means almost like God like takes control over his mouth and he's going to like speak through him, like bypassing his brain. God's like, I just need a vessel. I just need a vessel. And so Jeremiah as we see all throughout the chapter, naturally he was a very shy and quiet person. And he made excuses for himself. And God's only response was, I'm the one asking you to do it. And I'm the one who's going to do it. That's the way God works. You can say, I'm dumb, I'm stupid, I'm never going to be able to do that. And that's like a self-doubt limitation, which is something a lot of us struggle with. But how about these limitations? Paul says in Galatians 1, 13 through 15, you have all heard of my previous way of life in Judaism, how intensely I persecuted the church of God and tried to destroy it. I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people and was extremely zealous for the traditions of my fathers. But when God who set me apart from my mother's womb and called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son in me so that I might preach him among the Gentiles. My immediate response was not to consult any human being. I love this moment because Paul's limitations of being super gung-ho, trying to literally kill Christians... And it says that in his grace, God was pleased to knock him off his horse and be like, actually, here's what I've called you to do. So you and I could literally be running in the opposite direction. And it still doesn't matter because like Paul said, God set me apart from my mother's womb and called me to preach. And it doesn't matter all the things I was doing before because he knocked me off my horse and he told me where I was supposed to be and what I was supposed to be doing. Many of us need some boldness in our lives to look at some people and go, yeah, I might have been like that before, but God knocked me off my horse and he set me on what I'm supposed to do. And I don't really need your opinion. Paul said, I do not consult any human opinion because the Lord himself called me and chose me before I was even born. How about this moment? Jonah chapter one, verses two to three. I love this moment. 
This is for all the runners in the room. We got some runners. We got some people always in their sneakers ready to take off. <laughs> Runaway brides in here. Feeling the heat. <laughs> Getting ready to go. <laughs> I love it. Jonah chapter 1, verses 2 to 3, God says to, uh, to Jonah, Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. And verse 3, But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish, which is in the opposite direction. He went down to Joppa, where he found a ship bound for that port. And after paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. It doesn't even matter if you run. You can run. You totally can run. And guess what happens to Jonah? We all know this story. And if you don't, let me just let you in on a secret. The ship gets caught up in a storm. He gets thrown off and he ends up in the belly of a beast underwater. And in God's mercy, he's still giving Jonah another chance. Because before Jonah was even a thought in his mother's womb, God already knew that he was going to end up going to Nineveh and preaching this. And it didn't really matter the choices that Jonah made. And this is the part that I want to say, and I'm getting into a little bit of a hairy realm here with the sovereignty of God in that if God has a will and a plan for it to be done, Jeremiah, at the end of the chapter, God says, oh, don't worry. I'm the one making sure it happens. He's, he's going to make sure it happens. And it doesn't matter the, the ways in which we try. Thankfully, Jeremiah didn't run. He just was like, okay, Lord, if you say it, I'm doing it. And that's what we should all hope to be, you know. The fourth thing we can learn from this is that when God calls you, he equips you. Okay, so this is what happens. He calls Jeremiah, and then it says, And the Lord put out his hand and touched my mouth. And he said, I have put my words in your mouth. Daniel 10, verses 16 says, Then the one who looked like a man, which is an image of God or Jesus or whatever, Christophany in this moment, says, Touched my lips, and I opened my mouth and began to speak. When the Lord calls you, he equips you. He gives you. He puts his hand on your life. He tells you what to say. The case in point today, I've got no notes up here. I'm going back to my iPad out of habit. There's like scriptures on there. But the Lord spoke to me and said, this is what I want you to share with my church. And if he spoke it, he's going to speak it. If he's told you to go and make that move or do that thing or have that conversation or build that business or whatever he's called you to do, if he's actually called you to do it, he equips you to do it. You do not have to labor over it and strive for it and try and control all the factors and control all the pieces of it. Because if he's asked you to do it, He's the one who comes and empowers you and helps you. The, the fifth thing that I noticed from this is that when he calls you, it costs you. As God's giving him this big speech, he says to Jeremiah, See, I have set you this day, in verse 10, over nations and kingdoms. And this is the part that makes my skin crawl. 
because I can relate in like a shred to pluck up and to break down, to destroy and to overthrow. Great. Awesome. Thank you, Lord. You've called me to destroy and to overthrow. And then he says, I've also called you to build and to plant. Matthew 15, 13, Jesus said, every plant that my heavenly father has not planted will be pulled up by the roots. Second Corinthians 10, 4 says, the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. This section of scripture, when it says to destroy and overthrow, is the same words that Paul uses here in Corinthians, that we are using divine weapons to demolish strongholds of the enemy. When you start stepping into your calling, if you expect everyone to like you and everything to go well, you're literally serving the wrong God. It's not the Bible. Absolutely not. People immediately, as soon as they start to feel like the wheels are falling, oh, people are leaving. Oh, what's going on? Oh, we must be doing something wrong. God's like, no, I'm just uprooting. This is the way he works. When you start to step into your calling and you start to be obedient to what he's asked you to do, generally, the first response you're going to get is not going to be celebration. It's not. Jesus said, whoa, if everybody likes you, if the world is praising you, because you're not building my kingdom. We, as a people, as the people of God, are called to destroy and demolish and tear down the enemy's strongholds. Those are not people. They're spirits. We're called to tear down and demolish the stronghold of poverty. We're called to tear down and demolish the strongholds of wickedness and arrogance and pride and all of the things that the enemy is literally controlling people with. But that costs us something. And it's funny because there's people that wish we would like be way more... Uh, I don't know what the word is, Braveheart than we are. You know, there's people that think that we're like not enough. We're not controversial enough. We're not willing to lay our lives down enough. And then there's other people that are like, wow, you guys have been through a lot. How are you still standing? <laughs> it's like, you know, God said to Jeremiah that I'm going to be the one to let you know what you need to say, what you need to stand up against, what you need to, and this is the part where all the zealots in the room can learn something here. You and I, if we're submitted to God, if we're called to do this for him, not for our own causes, sometimes the Lord tells you to be quiet. Sometimes he says, not this one, not this one. Hold, hold up. And you know why? 
because he sees the bigger picture. He sees the bigger picture. I said this to my friend here in the front row. We were having a conversation and we were talking about COVID and there was people in COVID and in the church world that were horrified that we closed when it was illegal to gather. Absolutely horrified that we closed and went online. They mocked us online. They mocked us on Twitter. They called us out for being cowards. And in, in retrospect, I think, imagine if we had stayed open. I mean, Matt and I would definitely have gone to prison over a flu. That's not biblical. Um, the amount of hardship that it would have caused our church in the public eye, in the media, you know, and you just kind of go like, thank God that the Holy Spirit was like, nah, not this one. This is not your hill you're dying on, guys. Exactly. We launched an entire city care ministry during COVID, which God had a grace on it because it was what we were supposed to do. Therefore, there was no controversy. There was no, God graced it to happen for that season. It's very important that you don't just choose hills to die on because you want to be a martyr or you want to, you feel for the cause, the cause, the cause. The Holy Spirit is the one that calls you. He tells you when to tear down. He tells you when to destroy. He tells you when to wait. And he tells you when to build and when it's time to plant. And that's the beauty of all of this. But it does cost you at some point, right? There are people to this day that will not walk through these doors because we will not do A, B, C, and D. Okay? And that's just the cost. The last point that I want to bring down here, there's so much in this. He says at the, the very end, he says, and the word of the Lord came to me and said, Jeremiah, what do you see? And I said, I see an almond branch. Then the Lord said to me, you have seen well. I am watching over my word to perform it. Now, here's the cool part. The almond tree is literally called the wakeful tree or the tree that is awake because it wakes up in the winter. The almond tree flowers in January. It produces fruit by March. And Jeremiah saw this tree, and the reason the Lord said, you've seen right, is the Lord was telling Jeremiah, my timing is perfect. And I don't care if it's winter. I can bring flowers up in the dead snow. I can wake things up whenever I want. And he said, don't you worry, because I'm watching over you, and I will bring forth the fruit 
and the flowers when I see fit and you don't have to worry about what it looks like outside. You don't have to worry about what's happening around you. You don't have to worry about what the room looks like, church. Because God compared himself to Jeremiah to the almond tree that flowers when everything else looks like it's dying. And this is the part that the Lord spoke to me and said, you don't have to worry because I'm the one watching over this. I've got my eye on it. And I laughed because a couple weeks ago, Leona, who speaks on our team and leads worship, she's one of my close friends. During a prayer time, the Lord spoke to her about our church. And the Lord said, it will be like spring in winter. And she had told me that weeks ago. And I was like, oh, man, that's a beautiful picture. But then you kind of like... You're like, okay, but then when I read this and the Lord confirmed, no, 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 I am the almond tree. I bring forth springtime in winter. I was like, okay, I've heard it twice now. I receive it and I speak it and I declare it over this church. That though it may seem and feel like winter in your life, in this church, in your finances, in your health, Winter's a tough time. The sun barely shines. It's freezing outside. All the plants and everything just dies and hibernates. And the Lord's like, I'm about to bring forth flowers and fruit in the winter. And to end today, I just want to read this whole thing one more time. And I want you, if Ty, you could come. And I want everybody to just kind of close their eyes. And um, I want you to just receive this, Jeremiah 1, for your life. Because I think that the Lord wants to speak to you today. If he hasn't already, he wants to speak to you in the places where you're doubting your calling, where you're doubting whether you're in the right place where you're doubting whether everything about your life has been a failure or a mistake. The Lord wants to speak to you in the places that are really riled up and ready to destroy when you should be getting ready to build and to plant. And he wants to speak to some of you who need to tear down some things in your life that have wreaked havoc on your home, on your mind, on your family. So I'm just going to read this over us, over our church. This is the word of the Lord. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. And then I said, Lord God, behold, I do not know how to speak, for I am only a youth. But the Lord said to me, do not say, I am only a youth. 
For to all whom I send you, you shall go. And whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of them. For I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. Then the Lord put his hand on my mouth and touched me. And the Lord said to me, behold, I have put my words in your mouth. See, I have set you this day over nations and over kingdoms to pluck up and to break down, to destroy and to overthrow, to build and to plant. And the word of the Lord came to me saying, Jeremiah, what do you see? And I said, I see an almond branch. Then the Lord said to me, you have seen well, for I am watching over my word to perform it. Lord, I thank you today for this word. I thank you that before we were even conceived that you knew us, that you called us, that you had a plan for us, that you set us apart for your purpose, that like your word says, we were predestined to know you and to fulfill your will for our lives. We thank you, God, for every single step of the way that has brought us to this place to this place where we could have the hope and know that nothing about our lives has happened by mistake. Nothing gets by you, Lord, but you've got us in your hands. Lord, we lay down every excuse that we make about ourselves. We lay down every human limitation, every weakness, every doubt, every concern, every failure, and we thank you, Lord, that if you tell us to go, that we can go. And if you tell us to speak, we can speak. Lord, we lay down our fear, our fear of what people might think about us, our fear of our circumstances, our fear of are we going to make it, our fear of how is this all going to play out, our fear of, God, are you ever going to come through on these promises? God, we lay them all at your feet. For you are the one who delivers us, God. God, we thank you that as your church, you have set us as your nation, as your kingdom, above every nation and every kingdom on this earth. God, you have called us to bring heaven to earth, to pluck up, to destroy and overthrow every work of the enemy, and to build and to plant the seeds of your kingdom in our lives, in our homes, in our families, in our children, in our worlds, God. And I thank you, God, for this promise that it will be like spring in winter, that you are the almond tree that flowers when everything else is asleep. God, I pray that that would be a picture of us, that we would be awake when everything around us could be falling apart, when everything around us could be asleep in the lies of this world, that we are awake. And God, we thank you, lastly, that we don't have to make sure that you come through. God, we thank you that it is not our job, it is not our responsibility to make sure that you do what you say. You are the one who personally looks after the promises that you make. 
You are the one who looks after the words that you speak and you are faithful. You are faithful to carry them out in our lives. So today we thank you, Jesus. Like we sang about earlier that you are Emmanuel, you are God with us. God, I just declare a season of spring over this winter that no matter what it looks like on the outside, no matter what changes, no matter who comes, who goes, no matter what the doctor says, no matter how many appointments we have, no matter what our bank account looks like, God, I thank you for a season of spring this winter, of new life, of joy, of sprouts of your goodness, of sprouts and breakthrough in the hard places, God. We thank you for all of this. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. To hear more, subscribe to this podcast and connect with us on our website at lgcy.church.